0: the gold standard. Like he was just (laughs) stellar, stellar, impeccable. Everything was just to the letter. He was just perfect, 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 perfect in every way. Very little fault. The only one fault that he had was um, he didn't like puddles. (laughs) 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 Doom, do Let's snooots,
1: snoots, boom. Let's snoot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Let's Boop Snoots. I'm Heidi. And I'm Vero. And today we have a special episode. <laughs> Ooh, with a special guest. <laughs> and it's another
2: well, musical.
1: <laughs> yes, I was gonna say, a Vero's starting to sing too now. So <laughs> I would like to introduce to everybody to one of my beautiful and wonderful neighbors. Her name is Jen Ferris. Uh, she lives close by and Jen is visually impaired and has a seeing eye dog named Victoria. So we actually have two special guests. Ooh, we have Jen welcome. and Victoria joining us today.
0: Welcome, welcome Jen. <laughs> And Victoria, thank you you, both of you. It's great to be here with you and share my experiences of having a service dog. Or yes, well, everyone says service dog. I say guide dog. But
1: I'm 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 sure there's lots of different terms for them, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to hearing
1: your story. Yes. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can just start with hearing Jen's story, and then uh, we'll get we'll get to. To the snoots, (laughs) which is what we're all here for today. But uh, do you want to just tell us a bit about yourself, Jen?
0: Sure. Thank you. So, yeah, where do I begin? Well, I was actually born blind and I was born in India and adopted to Canada by a Canadian couple, and I was number five out of the six children to be adopted into our family. And uh, we I was raised up in the Yukon, up in Whitehorse. So, yeah, I was very, I guess I've always been very independent and autonomous. And from the time I was really, really young, I just always Ran around uh, experiencing the world <laughs> as I encountered it. <laughs> and e- eventually, um, up in the Yukon, it's very small, but uh, there, you know, it's a nice little white horse is the capital city. So that's where we were raised. And, you know, I had to start traveling further and further away from home to go to school. And I was expected to walk to and from school on my own. So um, eventually I was taught how to use a white cane. And so for the majority of my life, I've um, I used a white cane and it was only when I was 32 years old that I received my first guide dog.
1: Oh, my goodness. So wow did you did you get a dog in the Yukon or was it once you came here to our city, Ottawa?
0: No, in fact, um, so I used a cane my whole life. My family never grew up with dogs. So having a dog was just not an option for me. In fact, it was very I was adamant about not having a dog. I don't want to be a dog owner. Um, I don't want the responsibility of a dog, like it just wasn't, a dog just wasn't part of our family, even of our vocabulary. And as growing up as children, we all wanted dogs, but my parents having raised, you know, having to raise six children, Mm -hmm. primarily my mother, she's like, no, I have enough animals to look (laughs) after. (laughs) It sounds like a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Six children. Yes, exactly. So my, you know, we ne- I'd never grew up with dogs. And in fact, to be honest, I was always a very 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 afraid of dogs. Um as as I mentioned, I was born in India and I was in a little tiny village in southern India where I lived, I guess, with my family members. And in, at that time, we were always taught to be afraid of dogs. Uh, in India, they have street dogs, and they travel in packs, and they're, they go after garbage and food. And so, uh, grow, well, um, not growing up, because, but being in India, we were just always taught to be afraid of dogs. So I was always afraid of dogs. My younger sister, who was also adopted from India, was afraid of dogs and always, always, since we were young, like we've always been, well, I have, and my younger sister has always been really terrified of dogs. In fact, my younger sister is so terrified of dogs that even if one came into view, she would practically climb my father as though he were a tree, you know, because she was just (laughs) so afraid.
1: So, how does one that is so terrified of dogs <laughs> end up with a a dog as a, as a support animal or service dog? Oh, yeah, so dog, that that's
0: me. that was it. That's you had asked me that question. So, and in fact, so yeah. So I a dog just wasn't ever part of our, my vocabulary. I was eighteen years old. I moved out of my parents' house. I went to the Yukon College. I lived in the Yukon for a couple of years raised money to go off to university. I I moved out to Victoria where I did my university degree, my bachelor's degree, my master's degree. And I was, I took a break in between, okay, yes, no, no. So I was here at the University of Victoria. I was in residence and I met two other women who had guide dogs. And one of them was my next door neighbor at my end of the building. And the other one was at the far, far other end of the building. And um, I got to just witness them with their dogs and how smoothly and quickly and easily they were navigating the world while I fumbled along with my white cane. And they were faster than I was, but I was doing my best to keep up and I did but you know I just I didn't want to I was always no I'm not going to depend I don't want to depend on people and I am sure as hell not going to depend on an animal for my you know for my livelihood I don't want that that was I was just yeah that just wasn't what I wanted but then I was starting to see these women and see them with their dogs and how they were so close with their dogs and their dogs were just so good. So good. Cause I've only been exposed to dogs that had horrible manners and just were not well behaved. And like, I don't want to have to deal with that. Like I'm deep <laughs> into my studies. I can barely <laughs> afford to feed myself. I don't want to have to also deal with the dog and bad behavior dogs and <laughs> you know, pay for everything that a dog, but then I was witnessing these women and they were just so independent and very autonomous. And they were always interacting with people and people came up and just were interacting with them because they had these beautiful, beautiful animals and just they were navigating so smoothly so effortlessly I, so freely. i find
1: that so surprising jen that like a dog like um helps you navigate the world faster than than the 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 stick does like i would have imagined it's sort of like the the same but i guess like like it, is it a huge difference
0: well yeah that i i couldn't even imagine that either but then i was just seeing how connected these two women were with their dogs. And that Mm. these dogs were just an extension of their left hand, you know, it was just a part of them. And Mm. they were so quickly moving about. Sorry, I can't remember if
2: it was on Disney or Amazon Prime. There was this series about uh, seeing eye dogs and how they're chosen from when they're like eight weeks and they go to this family Um, where they learn kind of like the basics and then they go to this training facility um, and they go through these series of training and tests and they're matched uh, with the individual that they think is the best fit Um, and then the end test where they either make it or not make it and then they decide like which individual they go with. Um, I guess there's that as well where it's kind of like they're matched with the dog that's the best fit for them. And I don't know if that was your experience. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I can talk to you about my application process. But and so both of these women got their dogs from the same place, from Guide Dogs for the Blind in California. It's in San Rafael, California, just outside of San Francisco. And so... I had these two wonderful role models and examples, and I thought, wow, and their dogs were so good, so well-behaved, they didn't smell, they didn't, I mean, sure, they have dog hairs everywhere, but (laughs) it's just the nature, that's just what happens. And And so I started thinking about this, I thought, wow, they just go get their groceries whenever they want. They go to the bank whenever they want. They don't need to be shown a route 10 times before they get it, the dog, and they just know where they're going. And I thought, there's something to this, but then how badly do I want a dog? And so this is like, I'm 19 years old, or maybe 20 years old when I'm encountering these women. And I thought, well, I see this, I'm loving this. I think it's great. There might be something in there, but I'm, I just carry on. I'm deep into my studies and every now and then I research different guide dogs and I meet different people, guide dog, like handlers and their guide dogs. And I ask a lot of questions and I where where their dogs were from so I got to know that about five different schools and I would just keep note and eventually the internet was starting to be more available everywhere this was probably about 1996 or seven maybe about 90 Mm -hmm. yeah maybe about 97 99 that time frame when I'm researching dogs and schools and I spent a lot of time just really seeing and researching and do I want a dog and how how are the dogs trained and how do they match the the person with the dog and what is the expense and how am I going to manage the dog? How do I manage myself and am I going to get over my fear and, you know, just all of this? And so, yeah, for years and years and years, I just spent researching and watching other people with their guide dogs and really thinking more and more that this could be an option for me. And I was, um, then I think I was probably in my late, mid, maybe mid 20s, late 20s. I was dating a guy. I was. I, I took a break from my bachelor's degree, and I got a job out in Calgary. And I was dating this uh, this gentleman that had a basset hound. And this basset hound was just so lovely and. We had great fun the three of us going for hikes and walks and I would spend time alone with the dog and playing with the dog and really getting over my fear like at that point I realized hey you know what I don't have a fear of dogs anymore. <laughs>
1: and... did, what about
2: the howl did that basset hound have a howl? He
0: <laughs> had a howl. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: I would like to see the Basset Hound hike. Oh,
0: <laughs> Me too. That was just so fun and uh, we just went everywhere and just, yeah, the dog would go into, well, it, I, I just saw how much more active we were because of the dog mm-hmm. and I thought that was really great and I thought, you know what, there's really something to this. So. After a while I go back to Victoria I have get a job at National Defense in Victoria I enroll for my master's degree in public administration and things are going on I'm noticing though that I'm I'm gaining weight I'm not as active I start picking up running with a friend of mine uh, I was starting to get really annoyed that I had I could only be active on someone else's schedule. I could only go get groceries on someone else's schedule. This started to annoy me and it's like, you know what? I am so dependent on people. I don't want to be that way. I want to be depend independent. I want to be autonomous. I want to go when I want to go, where I want to go because just because, you know, I don't yes. want to explain my No doubt. And Then I thought, well, remember the guide dogs? Remember? (laughs) Couldn't that be an option? And then I met a girl another woman and she was running with her guide dog. And I thought, Okay, here we go. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) That's awesome. And then I started researching again and it started becoming an interest and I made an application to the Guide Dogs for the Blind because it really was, in my opinion, the superior school um, in terms of their their training, their after-graduation care, their support if you need it for financial support for the vet, and just how they come out and do a visit every every year. They're always available if you need Um, behavior management or human management
1: or. Mm -hmm. So Jen, I was, I was going to ask actually, so is there like a cost involved to a person who is looking at getting a a seeing eye dog?
0: Yeah. And so all of that kind of stuff I was researching, right. Mm -hmm. And I settled on guide dogs for the blind and guide dogs for the blind in San Rafael, California Didn't have any fees at all. There was no fees. Wow. None. Wow. And I applied March of 2006 in January or February of 2007. They're the guide dog field representative. They have field representatives in the different areas of the country and out in Canada. And the, the field representative came and did a, oh no, I think maybe I applied in May. They finally addressed my application. They had a phone interview with me, probably I would say in August of of 20 of uh, 2006
1: what did they, did they ask a, in the phone interview do you they remember yes
0: yeah they asked me about my lifestyle um like the basic application was just you know i'm ready for a dog and um I'd like to go through, start the process. And they just asked for all of my biographical information, right? And then, yeah, in August, they had a phone interview with me and they just asked about my lifestyle. And back then I was, you know, a student and working part-time. I was a part-time student working full-time. So they wanted to know all that. They wanted to know about what was my mobility like how, how mobile was I, what was my orientation capabilities and what was my interest, like why all of a sudden did I want a dog and this kind of stuff, like how long have I been blind and all of this type of information. And they, they took it into consideration and then I guess maybe in about January, February of 2007 timeframe, the field representative came out and did a home interview and pretty much asked the same series of questions. And then we went for a walk and I grabbed my white cane and he he just observed me and my, my speed and how well I navigated around like street crossings and around objects that I encountered and How well did I know my area? How familiar was I with my environment and this kind of stuff? And then I guess there I I got a call from one of the dog trainers, then must have been around September of 2007 now, because I guess the field representative made his report and was able to just assess my navigation ability and my my ability to manage a dog and handle a dog and this kind of stuff and then mm-hmm. yeah i got a call from probably yeah i guess september august september, maybe august of 2007 from the dog trainer and again the dog trainer was just getting to know about me and my personality because as you said vero that's exactly what they do they try to match the human with the dog uh, with their personality and their lifestyle and um, so yeah the this the dog trainer I guess had a, about a two hour long interview with me just to getting to know me and yeah my lifestyle and I told them that I was... I've never owned a dog and I didn't know anything about a dog and I would need to know how to care for a dog and all of this. And she said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, well, we'll see about all of that. We'll teach you all of that. And then I get a, I receive a phone call in September of 2007 saying that I had been accepted into the school and that everything would be taken care of. They would send me plane tickets. I would, um, you know, everything. I didn't have to put out. So you had to go to California? I went to Oregon because they also have a campus in Oregon.
2: So when you're accepted into the program, does that mean uh, you're going to Oregon? um, They're going to run like more assessments, evaluations, Mm -hmm. or does it mean that? they potentially have a dog for you or both
0: no exactly right so I'm accepted and in I I was to go on November 16 something like that November it was a Sunday in 2007 I board the plane and kind of nervous and then like I don't know what to expect or anything like that and I, I arrive at the school, and right from the very beginning, they're doing their evaluation. Right when they pick me up from the Oregon airport, they're they're just evaluating. It's a constant evaluating mm-hmm. and um, seeing how I interact with things, how independent I am, how autonomous, how much support do I need? Do I can I walk unassisted, unaided? You know that kind of thing. How good, well is my orientation and my mobility and can I navigate things and
1: so do you um, get a score on this or is it all just like notes and stuff that they're taking I guess yeah
0: no I didn't re- I don't I don't see anything they're just yeah. doing it it's all oh, okay they're all observations right yeah and then yeah then I I'm, I'm at the campus and they give me training with a pretend dog that they call Juno and so I'm learning all When about you say
1: pretend different... dog, what do you mean pretend dog?
0: <laughs> well, it's <laughs> an a actual human... dog. No, well, no, not at first. At first it's just they have a dog bed that's all wrapped around and um a human sticks their arm into it into this dog rug <laughs> this, a lambskin that's just um yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. And they just um, kind of pretend like that. And so I learned how to put on the collar on this pretend oh, okay. dog. I learned okay. how to clip the leash onto this, onto the collar of the pretend dog. I learned how to walk with the dog and I learned the commands like heel and sit and- um, All with the person with their arm,
1: like you're yeah. a dog puppet? <laughs>
0: yeah exactly right and so and there was even, a human and, like
1: crawling around yeah, on the yeah, floor next
0: to you. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or crouched
1: oh wow that is so strange i never would have guessed that that would be part
0: of the process <laughs> well that's that's how they do it at the guide dogs for the blind maybe at yeah. other places they have different methods but that's yeah. how they
2: i guess just yeah, just guess so that, that i get
0: the feeling of what it is like to have a dog and have the dog obey or what it yep. feels like just to have the movement of a dog, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they're not exactly robots. So. <laughs> no, and I guess they don't want you
1: like tripping over or like or like anybody getting hurt, maybe. So they can, if, if yeah. somebody like loses their balance. And,
0: well, and that's, that's it. And yeah, yeah okay. because there's people in my cl- in my class. There was twenty. I think we started out with twenty people, and um four people didn't have the stability or the orientation ability or they they were ill or that kind of stuff that they just couldn't go through the rest of the training or even handle a dog. So my graduating class, there were 16 of us. And so, yeah, everyone was a lot of different ranging Um, abilities, you know, being able, like, I'm a fast walker, and I didn't realize that I was a fast walker (laughs) until I got my very first fast dog. (laughs) And at first, even, like, they they were observing me, and they, I don't know, I think maybe there was a mistake in the notes. But they were walking with me so slowly at this point they we were just doing a walk around town so that they could gauge my speed right yeah and this one they were
1: running after you
0: (laughs) no this one instructor like he would just take a step i'm like okay and then another step i'm like what's going on is there like Something in front of me, like, why are we going so slow? And and he's like, oh, is this not a comfortable pace for you? I'm like, no, this is the pace that (laughs) I would have if I'm holding a coffee and going for a walk with my friends. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well, show me how fast you would walk normally then. And so, like, I pushed him and we walked at my comfortable pace. And he's like, oh, okay. well, that's a lot faster than what we expected. I'm like, yeah. So Thursday, American Thanksgiving, I think it would have been November 19 or November 21. I always get those dates mixed up. But it was that Thursday in November 2007, American Thanksgiving. It was dog day. Everybody oh. was so excited because oh. it's dog day. I've now gone through five days of human to human training mm-hmm. and training. Like they were training me on expectations and the commands and getting the motions, the feel of a dog. Oh, yeah, there was one time where they brought in a whole bunch of puppies. Like, um, they were. They were year-old dogs that were getting ready to go into their formal guide work training. Mm -hmm. So they were just recalled back from their puppy raisers. And so that was exciting to see all these puppies. They were still all wriggly, but still very well behaved. Yeah. But just wriggly because they're a year old now. Yes. (laughs) They don't have any of the the guide training. Yeah, yeah, none of the formal training, none of that schooling. They have all the behavioral and the basic obedience trainings and how to behave indoors and that kind of stuff. But none, none of the professional training. Do
1: do the dogs have to be a certain age before that? Like they hand them over to their clients.
0: Typically, so this is what I we learned all about this in our first few days of being at the school without our dogs. We mm-hmm. were told that the dogs are bred on campus and that when they're, it depends on, they, they go through the alphabet. So the first litter of the year or whenever is an A litter and all the dogs on that litter uh, uh, that are A get A names, names okay. that all begin with okay. the letter A. And then the next litter is the B litter. So the, all of those names begin with the letter B, and yeah. they have a whole list of all of their working dogs, working guides, and former guides or retired guides. So none of them can be renamed, like have the same name. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so the dogs are born. Typically the puppy raisers that can name them, they're told, okay, your dog is a born in this litter, this alphabet, they choose their names and they they can vote on the names and they have to make sure that no working or retired guide has that same name. And then the dogs get their name. And then about eight weeks, the puppy raisers come and pick up their dogs. They're taken out on the puppy truck to the puppy raisers, depending on how far away it is. The puppy raisers do all the obedience training, the desensitization training, the walking in malls, the good healing you know, commands, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff, and walking on the streets and just seeing how distractible they are. And if if they do go chasing after you know, cats or whatever, if they can work that behavior out of them and all that kind of basic, basic training is all the, the puppy raisers responsibility and they're highly supported from the school and their puppy raiser leaders in the community and that kind of thing. They're recalled to the school about when they're 12 to 14 months, it all depends. Mm-hmm. Um I guess okay. on how many dogs might be in residence at the time or how many they maybe if some of them they they throughout that year they' um the puppies are evaluated right like yeah oh yeah like they're doing this one is doing really great This one could be a potential guide dog this will consider this guy this dog for the guide dog training program oh or others may not get accepted just because they do have allergies or they just, their behavior, they're just too anxious. So it's like or... health
1: problems or like, they're yeah. just not like taking to the training that well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or if they're too distractible or if mm-hmm. they just are too anxious around people, around yeah. vehicles, if they can't manage on trains, if they can't, calm around buses or on okay. um, um, streets or around yeah. cars this kind of thing or if they just love people too much or if they're filth eaters or just scavengers and <laughs> if things like that can't be trained out of them then they're not accepted into the program and I was informed actually that only around two out of six dogs are typically accepted well maybe four to five out of the six dogs could be accepted into training but only about two actually get paired up with um, with the partner at the end okay so it's a very small number like 20% and so I when I learned about that like it makes me feel just how honored and special and privileged I am knowing how much training because there's when everything is said and done there's probably about eighty thousand dollars worth of training and vet bills and food Mm -hmm. and
2: i imagine there's a lot of like when you receive your dog obviously there's a lot of trust um in that dog and that training have you ever felt um either victoria or if you've had a previous guide dog them like slip a little bit
0: yeah my first dog i got in november 2007 his name was clipper he's a male yellow lab and he was the gold standard like he was just (laughs) stellar stellar impeccable everything was just to the letter he was just perfect 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 in every way no, you know, there was very l- little fault. The only one fault that he had was um, he didn't like puddles.
2: <laughs> so and We
0: were living in Victoria and I brought okay, him yeah. home in December, like in the peak of rainy season in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't like puddles. <laughs> and he did everything to avoid puddles, because that's, again, part of his training, I guess. So the one bad thing is, he was taking me out into the middle of a five, six lane traffic. Oh, no. clipper, oh. no. Six lanes Super no. Of traffic <laughs> to avoid puddles. So that was uh, quite a bit of training. I had to retrain him that, no, you got to go right through it. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> but you do not go into traffic to avoid puddles. So so just to recap, so you
1: reached out in 2006 to this organization. So it yes. was, I want to say, about a year and a half but from yes. a, a, like reaching out to getting your dog. Yes. So, so you went to Oregon where they had a second facility. Yes. You went yes. through all the, the human training and yes. then you had the dog day where like um, you had one like introduction to the puppy dog. You had a puppy swarming.
0: <laughs> yes, we had a puppy swarming. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and that was and, so much fun. And then dog day was like, they, did they choose the dog for
0: you or, or so that you knew you were getting clipper? No, I didn't even know. And in fact, they didn't even know because it was the morning just before noon. It was around 1130 is when maybe 11 o'clock is when I went for the walk with the instructor when he he was testing my speed because mm-hmm. he wanted to know how fast I wanted to walk. Yeah. So because they had a dog all picked out for me based on my personality, based on my lifestyle and the work and everything else, my work, my school, all of this kind of stuff. And then at 1130 or quarter to noon or whatever it was, they had a sudden switch. And I didn't know, but they did tell me at lunchtime, they came and visited us at our tables and they said, Jen, you are going to get a male yellow lab and his name is Clipper. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and then, and we all finished up lunch and they all asked us to go back to our rooms and wait for us. And when we hear a knock on their our doors, we will know that one of the trainers or instructors is there with our dog and we want, they had asked us to just calmly open the door quietly invite us in and go take our seat. And so that's what I did. This sounds exactly
2: like the series I watched. That's exactly what happened. I wonder if it's yeah. that.
0: Um, if it's you might them. have seen the, the pick of the litter.
2: Oh, I, yeah, that's what it is.
0: Yeah, that's what it's called. And that is the guide dog school where I got both of my dogs. That's guide okay. dogs for the blind. and yeah they they're the ones that made that that documentary so victoria is from there too jen yeah. Yep. Victoria victoria's from that same school except she she was the california or san rafael campus and i got okay. her in at the um oregon one oregon campus yeah so yeah so then i i go and sit down i invite them in and i sit down and they hand me over the leash like I give, oh no, yeah, no, they give the leash over to me and they say, "We want to introduce you to Clipper." And they put the leash in my hand, and then I, I just went and touched him and petted him, and he was, is so excited because he's mm-hmm. like, "This is the first time he's <laughs> out of the kennel," and so he's getting to be petted by a human again. You know, it's just. He's out of the crate and everything and so he's just so excited and he's like rubbing up all against me and just like turning over on his belly or over on his back wanting his belly rubbed. and so i'm just getting to know him and then the instructor says okay you know you've got to meet your dog now have him sit quietly so that we can have a bit of a chat and i so i did i collected myself I asked him to settle (laughs) down and he sat and he lay down quietly beside me with just the two commands and and she the my my instructor explained his coloring and his eyes and just how how big he is and his weight and all that kind of thing. And then she left. She's like, okay, well, welcome to your dog. And I'm going to leave you and let you two get acquainted. And then she left. And I just played with him and petted him and uh, just walked up and down the hallway with him so I'd get a feel for what it was like to walk a real dog, you know, not a (laughs) pretend dog. (laughs) And, I just wanted to know what it was like. So did
1: you walk him like harness on and everything? Like you geared him up and then, okay.
0: No, we couldn't put on the harness, but just on leash. And I walked, I healed him up and down the halls and just um, tried to practice the different commands, like the sit and stay command and healing command as we were walking.
2: I have a silly question. Since we were talking about weather and Clifford avoiding puddles, yeah. When you're receiving a dog that was trained in California, yes. You're bringing, for example, Victoria, and you're bringing Victoria to Ottawa,
0: mm-hmm. where
2: there's snow. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult? Is there? Is this a big change for her? Like well, orienting yes. herself, like with the curbs and not being able to see those things.
0: Yes, exactly. And it was a big thing for Clipper also. So thankfully, um, when I did finally, I I, I was at the school for about four weeks in total. And after three weeks, I graduated with my dog and I got to bring Clipper home to my environment in in Victoria. And there's no snow there, but there is a lot of rain. And we lived in Victoria for about three years until 2010. And in May of 2010, we moved to Ottawa. So thankfully, we got to know the environment, my neighborhood and the grocery stores and banks, all the routes to these places without snow. So when snow did come, thankfully Clipper knew all the routes to my places that I needed to go into the bus and everything like that without the snow. So he knew where the curbs were. And okay. the poor guy, like, the first year that we were here, like, there was massive snowbanks. like the snowbanks banks were a taller than my waist at some places, you know? <laughs> so he couldn't see around them. He couldn't, he obviously can't see over them. So yeah. that was really hard. But he just did the best. He was just so good. He was just impeccable, very, very stellar with his ger- job. He took his job so seriously, like his work ethic. I think puts most humans to shame. With just... <laughs> <laughs> and and no he doubt. was so proud to work, also. And even, even my 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 master's photographs, my graduation photographs. He was so proud. Like, he looked more <laughs> proud than I did. Was he in your photos?
1: Was he in your yep. photos? Yeah. Yes. Did he have a yeah. cap and gown? Tell me he had a cap and gown.
0: He didn't. <laughs> he, he was in my photos. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, but then he, you know, because he, he, that's, he's, too dignified for a captain gown. <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> victoria would love it but not her. <laughs> he was so regal like he looked, he just looked like he was royalty on display and so, yeah and, and so but so yeah so his work ethic was just so stellar always always spot on He never needed correcting in his work at all, except for that one with the puddle instance. But then he got accustomed to the snow and he, you know, he did very, very well in it. And these dogs are meant to be really flexible and adaptable. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. Yeah.
2: You did mention uh, they do send somebody yearly.
0: Yes. Is that
2: for like if they need some training, kind of like maintenance or tune
0: up? well so here's the other thing is that while he's my guide dog to be my eyes and my soulmate the school he is he still belongs to the school the dogs still belong to the school so if i'm mistreating my dogs the school has uh, the right to come take their okay. animal back. yes yeah, okay. um or if he's sick, if the dogs get sick, then the school will take them and care for them. Or if I were to get sick, then they'll come and pick up the dog and board the dog and do all that. I'll make sure all the training is still up to. Um, they still have all their guide work training, right? So they yeah. come, they do that to for their follow up to just check on the health of their dog and make sure their dog is still working really well and to make sure that I'm treating the dogs well and, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Because we have, it's almost like an obligation. We have an obligation to keep the dogs in good physical health and in good mental health and good working condition. And make sure that they're up to snuff with their training, right? So that's part of my obligation. And so, yeah, once a year. And during the pandemic, they weren't able to come out and evaluate, but they still called. And if I have problems, then I can always call them. You know, if if Clipper got really sick, then I could call them and they would authorize the the fund financing for the vet or that kind of stuff. Or yeah. if Clipper got hurt or if Victoria got hurt, then they could come and get the dog and do their own assessments and make sure that the dog is still fit for working, you know, yeah. or that if uh, they need to assign a new dog to the, the handler. Yeah. So Jen,
1: well, I, th- I think we're going to have to have you back for a second visit because we're, in, <laughs> we're running a bit out of time, but uh, I'm, I'm we will so ask, sorry. no, don't, <laughs> be, don't sorry. be sorry. We're going to have to have you back again. Cause I have like so many more questions. I find whenever you start talking to somebody about like content, there's mm-hmm. just more and more and more questions. So we'll definitely have to have you back again, but I have one last question for you and then maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, My question is just, are you glad you made the decision? Like, how did Clipper change your life for you? Like, were you just like, yes, this is exactly how I wanted it to be? Or were there challenges where you're like, oh, like, I'm not so sure. Tell us about that.
0: So I fell in love right at the beginning.
1: (laughs) And of course, I, I,
0: I cannot imagine my life without a dog in it. And the same when I when I made the decision, I had to retire Clipper because of his eyesight. Like he was uh, almost eleven years old, which he, he's just, he was just in wow. really good health, and so he yeah. was able to work that long. But the doctor was saying, you know, his eyesight was um, he was starting to develop cataracts, and he didn't want Clipper to have to work through a second winter with these cataracts, so I would have to retire him. And so, yeah, I mean, there's no way I was going to not be without a dog in my life. Of course, I made the plan for his Clippers retirement, but it also meant making a, a second application for a second guide dog, and so there was just no way I was going to be living my life without a dog in it. and. The two weeks where the between where I retired Clipper and when I went to California to get Victoria was the most loneliest, saddest, oh, hardest, I heartbreaking can two weeks of my life. And I just oh, cried and cried and cried and cried, and I just missed him so much, like, even still, I miss him.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And
0: he did die. He passed away in December of 2020. And I I still cried. I cried then and I like I can just tears are in my eyes now just thinking of him and I wasn't able to go be at his side when he was passed away because or when he was um you know given the needle because covid and nobody yeah. was allowed in anywhere mm-hmm. in any place
1: where where did he go jen when he retired i lied when i retired uh, him
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> so when i retired him he he i had somebody in mind actually in our neighborhood and it was going to be the perfect retirement because she worked at a seniors home and her dog died, and she got a puppy, and it was no longer the right situation to retire an 11-year-old dog with a puppy. Yeah, yeah. And one that was so much work for this other person, right? The puppy was just way more than what she could handle, and then to have a yeah. another dog, an older retired dog. so. I had to make a very quick decision. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I actually phoned my vet and I told the vet, I said, you know, my retirement plans for Clipper fell through. And if somebody wants a really well-behaved older dog, as great companionship you know, Clipper is available. And all I ask is that I have that opportunity to interview. And um, one of the vets actually at my vet at the animal hospital where I take uh, the dogs phoned me up and said, my mother is in her 80s. She needs somebody, you know, she needs a dog that she can walk and be responsible for. Would you consider retiring clipper with my family and i said well sure why not you know like, <laughs> that sounds could perfect. i provide for a better like yeah she's living out on a lake and so clipper was out in cottage country oh
1: nice west. good for him
0: with... yeah exactly and he was out on mississippi lake out in cottage country absolutely spoiled spoiled to death i mean this dog got his own slice of pizza every yeah. week <laughs> and it would never be what he would never ever have that with me I would (laughs) never give him a piece of pizza especially of his own but you know they loved him and I just was so fortunate that they loved him as deeply as I loved him yeah so even the times that I went out to visit Clipper he was getting so old uh, I didn't recognize him anymore he was very very hugely overweight his <laughs> fur was not it was very much country fur not city slicker dog <laughs> and um, well he had a very different smell about him like just a country dog you know Yeah. so yeah, the only thing the only reason I recognized him the only way I could recognize him was because he would his spot was always right at my left hip his right shoulder at my left hip Mm -hmm. and that's where he was that was his spot that was always his spot that was always going to be his spot and he would even nudge out victoria who was on (laughs) leash. (laughs) <laughs> so that he could have his spot right beside me. He's oh, like, move 100.
2: over, little one. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Like, get out of my spot. That's my spot. <laughs> and so, as sad as it was that I couldn't be with him mm-hmm. uh, when he passed away, I I will always remember him. His right shoulder at my left hip, always there always yeah. available, always ready for when I need him. And that's just, you know, I can't ask for a sweeter memory than just knowing that yeah. he's always there. He's yeah. always yeah. there for me right when I need him. Yeah, And always, you know, yeah. always ready. Always well,
1: what, that, it's a very sad note to end on. But at the same time, I think that answers my question about how you feel about service dogs at your yes. side. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. They steal our hearts. And yeah. like like I said, we will definitely have to have you back again because I have like so many more questions. Me too. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Jen. And um, yes, we'll, we're just going to have to book another date.
0: If you, if yes, you, if you don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't want to hijack <laughs> your
1: podcast about this. is is my show. <laughs> Anytime. 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 All right. Is that a wrap for
2: today? That's a wrap. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Thank Jen. Thank you,
0: ladies. Thank you so much for having me. And I'd be happy to come back if it adds value to your audience. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All right, tune in next week on let's Let's boop
2: snoots. Boop